Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the We Love Moms Fantasy Football Podcast. We are down to the final four in the NFL. It's hard to believe that there are only three games, essentially. If you don't count the Pro Bowl, I guess. Uh, three games left in the NFL season. Uh, we are on to the conference championships next week. I am joined today by my good friend Dana Zach. What's going on, man? Hey, how are you, man? It's a pleasure to be here. Good, good, good. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before we uh, jumped on the podcast here about these games, the divisional round past week. And usually the divisional round is pretty exciting. And uh, I, I think these games kind of let us down this week. Um, weren't the most exciting games in the world. Uh, a few that were close, but none of them that you ever felt like were in true danger of, of going one way or the other. It, it seemed like whoever jumped out in front early, um, they, they kind of took took command of the game and you didn't really have any doubt that they were going to win. So not the uh, exciting back and forth games that we were hoping for, but nevertheless, we are down to the final four. So we're going to talk a little bit about the divisional round first. We'll then move on to the conference championship games and give you our predictions as well as since you know, all fantasy football leagues on standard for uh, standard platforms are done um, in Ohio. Of course, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, um, sports book gambling has become very popular and creating parlays and, and gambling on the line and, and things like that. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that this week instead. And uh, Dana's already built a couple uh, potential parlays, same game parlays that, uh, He's going to throw by you and give his reasoning as to why uh, he chose what he chose. So uh, we'll first start with the Saturday games. And the first one I actually had the pleasure of watching with my good friend, Dana Zach. Uh, we got together with a few friends and watched this game and ends up being a 27 to 20 victory for the Kansas city chiefs over the Jacksonville Jaguars. A couple questions for you, Dana heading into next season. Obviously the Jaguars have taken a huge step forward um they it seems like have their quarterback of the future um they have a really talented wide receiver core uh, hopefully evan ingram returns as he has kind of reignited his career in jacksonville uh and their defense is you know quite impressive so uh your thoughts heading into next season for jacksonville where do you have trevor lawrence in the quarterback rankings um and then kind of evaluate his weapons, including Calvin Ridley heading into next season. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, real surprise here is that Isaiah Pacheco has kind of taken over this backfield. You know, Jarek McKinnon had a few weeks and supposedly CEH is coming back next week. Um, do you think Isaiah Pacheco continues to hold on to this role heading forward and into next season? And then just talk about the greatness of Travis Kelsey and, and the incredible game that he had. Um, you know, and as I mentioned last week or maybe off the podcast, I don't remember, um, you know, the CBS fantasy football podcast that I listened to pretty religiously, um, the hosts actually picked Travis Kelsey number one overall in their first mock draft heading into next season. Do you think that is too much uh, of a premium for arguably one of the greatest tight ends of all time, uh, especially with him heading into his 34 year old age season? Uh, so lots of questions to unpack there, but just talk just a little bit about this game and, and future fantasy implications. Absolutely. 
<clears throat> um, and what I would like to do, I would like to start with Jacksonville. Um, I think Travis Etienne has a real shot to make it as a, a top 15 running back in this league. Um, and for your fantasy team, especially if they're going to give him the amount of receptions and, and the bulk carries as his, he's been getting. Um, now this, this game got not a little out of hand, but this game got a little dicey um, as they were down 17-10 at the half and then 20-10. to 10. Uh, going into the fourth quarter. So, <clears throat> you know, that obviously stopped Travis Etienne from getting more yardage, but he did have a, a healthy 6.2 average on his carry. I think with, with especially with them getting rid of James Robinson and pushing him to the Jets, who was a very integral part of their offense at the beginning of the year um, while Etienne was still getting, you know, healthy. And, of course, last year with Etienne being out. But I think that they're going to – he's going to be the lead back – and if he catches three to four passes for 15 to 20 yards a game, I think it's going to be really, really solid for you because he's got a nose for the end zone. So I really like him. Um, you know, I, I want to see where the mock drafts start, you know, where we mock draft and because we'll do some of those in the, in the off season for you guys. Um, so I would like to, I'm very curious to see where he's going to land to see kind of, you know, it'll help me gauge as to where I want to draft him. But I really think that he has the potential to be a top 15, if not better than that based on this offense and continue talking about the offense. Trevor Lawrence has just been really, really good for fantasy the last, you know, other than the last few weeks, like your championship game, you didn't do well. And then the bad weather game before that <clears throat> he's played pretty well this season. Um, let me see. He finished as, I think he finishes like the eighth, the seventh. So he finished as the seventh overall um, quarterback for this season. Uh, excuse me. I'm about to sneeze. Um, hang on. All right. Um, so he finishes the seventh overall quarterback and he doesn't really do a whole lot with his legs. Um, you know, this game in particular, he only, he ran three times for 26, but, um, he does it more out of, out of need, out of a necessity rather than just to roll out and run like your Lamar Jackson's of the group. Um, <clears throat> I think that he's going to be really good. I can honestly foresee him being a top 10, top 12, quarterback for fantasy next year but I think that this is somebody you can get later in the rounds um, I don't think you necessarily need to pay a premium on him in particular and you know if you can get him in the later rounds and he can finish as the seventh overall uh, quarterback I think that's going to be really good especially with you know again depending on where the drafts you know <clears throat> where the draft how the mock drafts go and how your actual draft goes for fantasy I think that this could be a really big steal if you can get him later um, his receiving core, as we talked about a little bit last week, Zay Jones did do really well for with uh, five ca five catches for 83 yards. He's the leading receiver on this team. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, Calvin Ridley coming back, I really think that he's going to cut into the likes of Zay Jones and even Marvin Jones. I think Marvin Jones is on the way out to being the, you know, a slot corner or slot receiver, kind of like they have T.Y. Hilton just comes in every now and then. T.Y. Hilton for the Cowboys. Like he just comes in and catches a few passes, runs a few, you know, quick routes or medium style routes because they have um, on their team with Zay Jones being, um, you know, a breakout candidate for this year. Christian Kirk, who's done really well after signing to Jacksonville from uh, the Cardinals. And then Evan Ingram, as you mentioned, with the Giants last year, coming over and resuscitating his career, having an amazing fantasy year, um, which is obviously good for him to see. So, um, we'll see if he gets that kind of money and, and what happens with Calvin Ridley and what kind of role Calvin Ridley plays now. Ridley hasn't played in the NFL for a few years. And um, I was thinking about it and I don't, I, I hope that it's not like the Josh Gordon situation where he comes back and just kind of gets bounced around and doesn't play as effectively. Cause when Calvin Ridley was on the field for Atlanta, he was an absolute stud. 
So I'm really excited to see what he can bring to this team and how this, this wide receiver core is going to look and, you know, what kind of, what kind of value each of them are going to have because um, this, this offense isn't high powered like Cincinnati, which we'll talk about who has a lot of top receivers, you know, they have potentially three top 20 receivers on their team with Tyler Boyd being the closest to the 20 end and Jamar Chase and T Higgins in the top five for Jamar and top 10, top 12 for T Higgins. So I don't know if this offense can sustain that kind of uh, receivers performance, but I will be excited to see what they can do because them finishing nine and eight, I think was a really big success for them, especially having, um, I just forgot his name. Uh, he coached Ohio State. What's his name? Oh, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Yeah, just so a year removed from Urban Meyer, and they come in and they they go nine and eight, and they you know win a playoff game, and then they come here and they got to play Kansas City, which is just kind of unfortunate for them. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see that offense and next year and what they can do. Um, you know, with their with their with their core. Um, <clears throat> going over to Kansas City, my biggest thing is, is I, I really need to see I hope Patrick Mahomes is healthy but I really need to see how healthy he is for this upcoming game because Chad Henney came in and went five for seven 23 yards and threw a touchdown so he did play fairly well and you know Chad Henney's been a really good backup quarterback so my thought is 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 this a potential Nick Foles situation when the full when Foles was with the Eagles where he comes in and you know Mahomes hurt or limping or gets hurt in this next upcoming game and you know Chad Henney could come in and win it and potentially take them to a Super Bowl and win that too so uh, I think Mahomes' health is going to be a, a concern because obviously they're going to downplay a lot of the things, regardless if it's sprained or just twisted or whatever. You know, they, they're, they're going to play it down because nobody wants to, you know, say, oh, hey, like my ankle sprained, you know, because people are going to start trying to target that target that ankle. So um, but Mahomes did return in the second half and he did do well. I think he threw one touchdown in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was him that threw it. Um, but. Isaiah Pacheco at 12 carries, 95 yards. Uh, this is a name that I do really like in a backfield that I hate. And what I mean by that is I like I like Isaiah Pacheco as a player. I think he's going to be really good. Um, I am just really curious to see what this team is going to look like next year out of the running back spot. Because as you mentioned, they got Jarek McKinnon, who's their primary pass catcher. You have CEH, who did well. You know, he was a top prospect in his rookie year. And then just did kind of well at the beginning of this year, got hurt and just kind of fell off and hasn't really played for them since or played well. Um, so, you know, do they move on from him? Maybe someone like CEH goes to the likes of Dallas um, with Ezekiel Elliott not playing so well. So we'll see what happens in this off season. But I think that if Pacheco is the announced starter, I think he's a decent pick for your, your team later in the rounds when you can get him, especially on this high powered offense, there's a chance that he could get, two, three goal line carries a game and that be his, you know, his only points, but he is going to get the carries. And of course they got to watch out for Patrick Holmes for Pacheco. Receiving wise, Travis Kelsey being from going to Cleveland Heights, being from Westlake, he did exactly what the Cleveland boys do. They go out there and they play hard football, um, 14 catches for 98 yards and two touchdowns. If this kind of game doesn't prove to you why he's Patrick Holmes favorite target. I mean, in a must win game to move on to the championship, you know, for the AFC, Travis Kelsey shows up and he's just a big playmaker. So, you know, going to your question about him being picked first, I personally don't like it. I think that there's better options, but if he's a player that you really like, 
and you really just want to have on your team, I don't see a problem with it. I, I like other options, but again, that's just a personal preference. If you want to take the number one tight end for what the past three or four years and, you know, playing on the number one, number two, number three, you know, top three offenses, I don't think there's a problem with that. And if you get Travis Kelsey, you know, we talked all season about tight ends and the volatility of them. And when you have somebody out there who is almost a guaranteed shoe and like his bad week is 40 yards and a touchdown, like he goes out there and he plays good ball. Um, You know, so for him personally, <clears throat> like if you want to take him, like I'm happy to take him at the back end of the first round, early second round, just because of the difference between him and the number two tight end, which I believe was Mark Andrews this year. Maybe it even been Evan Ingram, honestly. Um, let me double check that. So, okay. Evan Ingram finished six. So the number two tight end, like the difference in, in fantasy points, which we'll talk about in the off season is pretty significant from Travis Kelsey to the number two. So um, I really like him. So if you want to take him one overall, I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but, Anywhere else in the first round, deep first round, early second round, I can't blame you for taking him just because of how good he is. Uh, Other than that, offensive-wise, this is kind of – like this game is kind of how I foresaw the Kansas City Chiefs offense being all year. Just kind of, you know, wishy-washy if you don't really know who to play. Um, You have Valdez Scantling, who was just a sign that they had from um, Green Bay, one catch, two targets. Juju – two targets, two catches, 29 yards. Kadarius Tony, someone that they got from the Giants, had the second most yardage on the team at five catches and 36 yards. But again, this could have been just because that they were winning majority of the game and Patrick Mahomes was seven times. But um, they have a much diff- much more difficult opponent in Joe Burrow. And I think that I think that those those boys in Cincinnati are going to be looking looking real hungry and looking for a win. Absolutely. Um, not to get way ahead of ourselves, but this is how much I love this time of year with rankings and whatnot. I've already started to put together my 2023-2024 rankings heading into next season. It's way too early. We don't know <laughs> the you know, decisions. We don't know trades that are going to happen, but this is just my preliminary. And just to kind of go back over some of the, the key guys that you were talking about, you know, I have Trevor Lawrence as the number seven quarterback going into next season. So I'm pretty high on him. I, I think he has kind of proven himself as the guy in Jacksonville, and I think he will continue to be the guy. And I really liked your your point about he doesn't run as much as maybe he did in college. And I think a big part of that is, you know, trying to keep himself healthy. Uh you know, a lot of guys in the NFL have learned that lesson the hard way where um, if you're a scrambling style quarterback, as Trevor Lawrence was at Clemson, I would say he, he definitely was able to to get outside of the, the pocket and gain some yards with his feet. He, he's moved away from that. And maybe that's a, a Doug Peterson thing. Uh, maybe that's him just trying to, you know, have that longevity so he can play until he's 45 years old, like Tom Brady. But I mean, I, I, I like what he has shown us here. And, and, you know, obviously heading into this past year, no chance Trevor Lawrence was even in the top 12. So he's definitely moved up for me. Um, and I like him, you know, definitely as a QB one heading into next season. You know, and then you talked a little bit about Travis Etienne as like a top 15. 
I have them at 13. So I, I completely yeah, agree. So we're, we're, we're pretty close. Yep. <clears throat> agree with you. I think uh, that's right around. He's, he's a low end RB one, if not a high RB two, I'd be very happy if I had him uh, as an RB one, honestly. So if you had him as an RB two, like I, you did really well in your running back draft. Honestly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's literally the first RB two that I have in a 12 team league. So um, I, I think he's a, a low end RB one, honestly. If if you leave and he's your top running back, I'd feel okay about that. And then we talked a little bit about Isaiah Pacheco, the only other guy I want to talk about in this game. I currently have him at twenty nine in my running back ranks. So I mean that's a RB three if there is such a thing. I mean a flex play at best, but again, I think it's someone that could sneak up very quickly. I, I currently have him behind AJ Dillon and Ezekiel Elliott. You know, like these are guys that I think maybe score a few more touchdowns. I think Pacheco gets a lot of his touchdowns taken away by McKinnon or, you know, Travis Kelsey, obviously in the red zone. So he doesn't score the amount of touchdowns that you're hoping for. And he doesn't catch a lot of passes out of the backfield because, again, they have McKinnon. Uh, So I think that does kind of hold him back a little bit. But he's someone that I think I would take a flyer on, you know, in the seventh, eighth, ninth round and, and you know, feel pretty confident that Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs are going to find a way to utilize him effectively um, heading into next season. He does seem, you know, and this tricks us every year, he does seem to be the best running back in Kansas City, but that's on a year-to-year basis. If they go out and draft a guy in the sixth round again and he comes in and, you know, is the, the lead guy. So I don't want to put too much draft capital into him, which is why I have him ranked where he is, but I think he could be a sneaky pick um, if he continues to have the role that he's showing here late in the season. Um, heading into, unless there's anything else you want to say about that game. <clears throat> no, just to re- uh, reiterate a little bit on Pacheco, like, you know, as we both mentioned, I-, I like him a lot as like a deeper round pick only because of the offense. Like I would much rather have Isaiah Pacheco next year than either running back for, Buffalo you know like it's just me personally like I just don't trust that Buffalo and uh, and of course them just being on such a good offense I think that he has the potential to break out if assuming they continue to go with him as their lead back obviously as you mentioned anything can change though yeah and obviously they invested a ton in CEH Um, I mean he was a late first round pick if I'm not mistaken so they're either going to have to find a trade partner or find a way to get him involved in the offense still so uh, it's Again, increasingly in the NFL, running back by committee, which is not fantasy-friendly by any means. But uh, to get a running back and a good offense, yeah, absolutely. I I like throwing those darts because I think uh, it could hit more oftentimes than it won't. Um, I guess the only other thing I'll say about Travis Kelsey and taking him first overall, again, he's heading into his age 34 season. I'm I'm really – I mean, he seems to have defeated father time just like Tom Brady. (laughs) time and time again like tight ends are not supposed to last this long uh i mean gronk's kind of been in and out of the league the last two years and he's two years younger than travis kelsey so what he's doing is remarkable and i just don't know how much longer he's going to be able to put up this type of production so that's what makes me nervous i like putting my first early picks in young proven talents but ones that still have the best football in front of them and I, i don't think travis kelsey fits that unfortunately anymore but 
again, if I can get him in the second round or third round, heck yeah, I'm taking him. Uh, 100%. You lock up that position. You know, don't even have to think about it. Don't sweat about it, you know, on a week-to-week basis. That's nice. The next game, goodness gracious, Dana, this was ugly, ugly. Um, I didn't watch the first half, um, which is where all the action occurred. And I, I did stay and watch the whole second half. I'm not sure why, because not much happened. But uh, the Eagles just completely dominated uh, the New York Giants. And for all the wonderful things we were saying about the New York Giants last week, about Saquon Barkley and about Daniel Jones and how the Giants should invest in these two guys. Yeah, the Eagles made them look real stupid um, for saying those types of things last week because this didn't look like a playoff game. I mean, this looked like a, an absolute route. Uh, and, and disappointing that this is what it turned out to be. And uh, the crazy thing is Jalen Hurts is, is still playing hurt. You, you, you sense this like hesitation from him that he's not playing to his full ability. He only threw 24 times in this game because he only needed to throw 24 times in this game. Um, didn't scramble much. And when he did, he looked hesitant. So that, that makes me nervous heading into next week. Um, and we'll talk about that when we preview the NFC championship game, but to have two touchdowns early on in the game, lock this one away. I'm sure it's good for his confidence heading forward. Uh, he's had an incredible season, but again, it makes you nervous. You look at these scrambling style quarterbacks that, that make a living off being mobile and outside the pocket and they're just not durable. You got Lamar Jackson and, you know, for us growing up, the original is probably like RG3. And, and, you know, that guy had two incredible seasons with the Washington Redskins at the time. Um, and then his career was ruined because of injury. Um, Kyler Murray just tore his ACL. He's a scrambling quarterback. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So while this seems to be the trend in the NFL, it makes me really nervous for the longevity of Jalen Hurts. Um and what he can do long-term because if you look at the guys that are doing it on a year-to-year basis that are hall of famers, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Tom Brady. These are pocket quarterbacks that, that do not scramble. Uh, They might do a little uh, one yard QB sneak, but they're, they're not going outside the pocket. They're not getting whammed by guys that are full speed. Um, So, you know, in a, in a dynasty conversation, Jalen Hurts scares the crap out of me. I think in the short term, he's special. He's a special player. Lamar Jackson's a special player in, in the short term. But I think we're already seeing with Lamar Jackson just how volatile uh, that style of quarterback can be. So I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. I really like him. I, I think he had an incredible season this year. But, uh, you know, if he's not 100% next week against the, the 49ers, I think the Eagles – might not be able to put up 38 points like they did this week. Which takes me to the running back situation for Philadelphia. And I want to get your opinion on this, Dana. So it's not just my monotone voice the whole time. Um, (laughs) Miles Sanders, you know, early on in the year seemed to be the, the guy. And like so many commentators and talking heads and analysts and fantasy analysts said at the beginning of the year, oh, Miles Sanders, don't invest in this guy. He's he's a bum. And he had an incredible year, at least the first half of the season. 
And now you're in the playoffs, and yes, you dominate this game, so maybe you're trying to save him in terms of health. But it, it again, seems like a running back by committee. And in this game, Kenneth Gainwell had 12 carries, 112 yards, and a touchdown. Miles Sanders, if I'm not mistaken, is a free agent heading into next year, so it's it's hard to say. Is he going to be back in Philadelphia? Is Philadelphia going to try and upgrade? What do you make of this running back situation, especially heading into next week's NFC Championship game? Can you trust uh, the likes of Miles Sanders? Can you trust this type of performance from Kenneth Gainwell? Is this someone that maybe you, you could get cheap in a in a you know setting lineups and a daily fantasy type thing? So. Uh... I, I honestly, I was thinking about this a lot because Miles Sanders finished as the 10th overall fantasy running back. He was fifth in yards, eighth in attempts and eighth in touchdowns. So like, that's really good numbers. I mean, that's like on par for finishing 10th um, for fantasy wise. And honestly, what I think happened this game is the fact, I, I think it was honestly related to health, not saying Miles Sanders is hurt, but I don't think he is, but I think that you give Kenneth Gainwell and again, Miles Sanders still had 17 carries. Kenneth Gainwell had 12. Uh, I would be really curious to see when those carries came. I'm sure they, you know, they split reps early, but I believe, you know, most of the reps from Kenneth Gainwell came in the later part of the game where they were handing the ball off to Boston Scott and, you know, Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders got a few in there, but this is kind of how it's been for the past few years with Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders. I think of anything, this is more the year that, Miles Sanders just did well with his attempts, did really well with his, with his at, you know, his, his runs. And, you know, Jalen Hurts only had to throw 24 times. I'm surprised Daniel Jones only threw 27, Uh, but they were up, you know, the entire game. They didn't even come close to not leading at one point. So I I think a lot of it has to do with game, game script, game script. Sorry. Cause honestly, like, Miles Sanders can catch the ball out of the back. Kenneth Gainwell can catch the ball out of the back. And Boston Scott seems to be like a change of pace back that they use sometimes at the goal line or the two, three yard line. Same thing with Kenneth Gainwell. Gainwell. Um, next year, I'm not really sure how I feel about Miles Sanders, but I've, I've felt this way for the past few years. And my gut inkling, you know, a few years ago and last year was pretty accurate, but this year he really turned on the jets. And he even said in one of his conferences before the season started, like, don't draft me in fantasy football. I don't know, you know, essentially like, I don't know how I'm going to play. I don't know what role I'm going to have here. And he ended up being really good. So, you know, so when you have a player that tells you that and they don't really know, you know, that kind of scares you. But if you had him, you were super happy with him because he played really well. So I, I don't think I really want any part of Kenneth Gainwell or Boston Scott, unless Miles Sanders does leave and go, go somewhere else. Um, which is quite possible. There's a few teams in need of running backs. So if that's the case, then I think Kenneth Gainwell takes the the horn here, but I don't think that they let Miles Sanders go. So I, I honestly think it was more game script because he was averaging 5.3 yards per carry. So like, yeah. it, it's not like he wasn't doing well. So, you know, if he was averaging like Wake Zeke did like two point something, you know, two yards, he was averaging five with 17 carries, which is actually really good. So I, I think, you know, if you want to draft him next year, I wouldn't draft him. I would draft him much lower than what other people are going to based on fantasy rank. Yeah, My follow-up to that question, yes, 17 carries, 90 yards in this game. Is Miles Sanders a product of his offense? 
absolutely. Like, is he is he actually this talented? Like, some guys just overperform because they're in a really good offensive situation. They have an elite offensive line here in Philadelphia. I mean, the entire team is just loaded with talent. And Miles Sanders seems to be an outlier. I hate to be like that um, because I I don't think he's the most talented running back um, in the NFL by any means. He gets the job done, uh, at least he did this year. But we've seen when the offense hasn't been as good, Miles Sanders has struggled. Uh, So that's what worries me is that, you know, this might have been a fluky year and it's depending on if he stays or if he goes, it might kind of inflate his his draft stock next year. And I'm not sure he's going to live up to the hype. Um, That's that's what worries me. That's just my own, you know, observation. You know, I I give him a ton of credit because I think he he made the best of his situation here. But um, just on past performance, I'm a little skeptical. you know, not to spend too much time on him, I guess. But any thoughts on that? I agree with you. And the reason why I say that is, I mean, picture this. Swap running backs. Put Saquon Barkley on this stacked Philadelphia Eagles team and put Miles Sanders on the Giants. And I think that you see a huge difference in performance. I think if Saquon right. goes to a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, he could easily break, He could easily go for 16, 1,700 yards. Like, that's how just watching Saquon play and how elusive he is behind a Giants offense that really wasn't that good and their offensive line, which is in the bottom half of offensive lines. Like you put, if you put Saquon in a better situation, I think he's a much better back. So I do think that, he, that Sanders is a product of the offense being so good, but I also think that that's how Zeke was for a few years. Like his offensive line was one of the best in the league, and like he started to fall off the cliff. But, I mean, another great example is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb will be good no matter where he goes because of the way he plays but he's behind a really stacked offensive line, which makes him even better because he can get good blocks and get to the second level by himself and not getting hit behind the line two yards every single play. So I, I would agree with you there. Yeah, no. Um, and, and moving on to the receiving core for both these teams, I mean, Devontae Smith continues to impress and seems to have a real connection with Jalen Hurts, which – makes me a little bit nervous as a AJ Brown owner in my dynasty league um, to only have three receptions, 22 yards. Again, game script is everything. So don't hit the panic button too soon. Obviously only throwing 24 times in this game was Jim Hurts, but it almost seems like Devonte Smith is like the possession receiver and he's getting a lot of these short, you know, six, six receptions, 61 yards. I mean, the average depth of target is not huge, um, but he has that breakaway speed, that ability to take it, you know, beyond first contact um, for such a small guy. I mean, it's it's incredible what he's able to do. I think he's done a lot to his uh, draft stock heading into next season to the point where I think he might get overdrafted, where, where people are going to be so excited about him um, and, and they're going to forget the best receiver in this offense is AJ Brown just on a talent basis. Um, not that I don't think Devonte Smith is incredible. Like I, I think they have two really good wide receivers, but it does seem that yeah, this is Jalen hurts favorite target him and Dallas Goddard um, as well. So, you know, that makes me worried about the potential that, that an AJ Brown has or a Devonte Smith has. Cause I think they can kind of, maybe sabotage each other a little bit. And, and then heading over to the Giants, like 
I don't know how many of these receivers are actually going to be on the team next year. Like uh, Richie James to have 10 targets in this game, seven receptions. I think he's probably earned a spot on this team, but early on in the season, Richie James was a nobody like this. This was a, a fourth, fifth string wide receiver. Uh, and then for Darius Slayton to only have one reception in this game, that's disappointing. Isaiah Hodgins again was a late se- season acquisition for the giants. Uh, he's a free agent after this year. Like, is he going to even be there? Like, to have made the playoffs with this roster is impressive. I think it's a testament to their coaching staff. I think they finally have found their long-term solution um, in the coaching role. But me personally, I, I wouldn't pay Daniel Jones a ton of money. Like, yeah, he can rip apart the Vikings, but when he goes up against the Philadelphia Eagles, he crumbles. I mean, 15 of 27, 135 yards and an interception in this game. QBR rating of 11.4, like, yikes. Like, this is this is a really underwhelming performance. Um, and, and then Saquon Barkley, of course, if you want to keep him in New York, you're going to have to give him big-time money. He has expressed that he does not want to be franchise-tagged. Um, it's not really within his control. Uh, if the Giants want to do that, they can to kind of delay this for another year. But... Um, you know, if you want to keep Saquon and you want to keep him happy in New York, you're going to have to make him probably the most, you know, <laughs> the most paid running back in the NFL. So um, it's a big decision the Giants have to make with a guy that already has injury history. Um, he, he's definitely put the numbers up this year to deserve a big contract. But we've seen, I think, about Le'Veon Bell, like incredible running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted a big contract. The Steelers just refused because running back shelf life is not very long. And sure enough, the Steelers were right. I mean, he goes on to the Jets and underperforms. He goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, and now he's – I don't even know if he's in the league. So um, I'm not trying to say Le'Veon Bell and Saquon Barkley are the same. I think Barkley's a, a better overall player, a better talent. But you got to be careful when investing big time money into a player like uh, a running back. Um, your thoughts on that, Dana? I know you're a huge Saquon Barkley fan, but does that worry you at all if you're the New York Giants? Like, just the history of the running back position? Um, I will say no, only because of this reason. Um, I read a, uh, a news article on ESPN, and I also found the same article here. Um, he said that he doesn't want to top Christian McCaffrey money, who is the highest. He said that um, he's looking to get – he said he's looking to be fair, and he's looking to get between what the franchise tag would be, which is 13. I think it's 10. I, I think it's 10. It? 10? Okay. I think it's about so, 10. Yeah. Okay, so he said he was looking to get between – um, the franchise tag and that Christian McCaffrey money. Um, oh, right here, $11 million he would get on the franchise tag and the $16 million McCaffrey got when he signed in April 2020. So I think that that could play a huge role for the Giants in not paying him that kind of money. Because even if they give him 13, and that's three less than, than McCaffrey got, if you give him 13 for three, 13 each year for three years and sentence or whatever else, I think that that's going to help them a lot. But it's also going to help Saquon because he knows that, you know, he was hurt and he missed a lot of time, but he came back and played really well. Of course, that's is this also because it's his contract year and people tend to do that when it's their contract year. They're like, 
they really buckle up and they start playing. So yeah, I do like, I do like him a lot. I think he's a really good running back. Um, and, you know, running backs, as we, we talk about all the time, they don't last long in the league unless your name is Derrick Henry and you can continue to play well. But other than that, I, I think that that's going to benefit them a lot. And if I were them, because they're going to have to pay Daniel Jones some win them a, a, you know, a playoff game against the Vikings, which the Vikings on paper have a really good team. And he did not play well against the Eagles who have a really good team. So I think they're going to be caught between a rock and a hard place, but also think that Saquon and Daniel Jones will both stay at a reasonable price. Cause he, again, like Saquon, Sa- I'm sorry. Saquon has to remember that his offensive line isn't great. And if he wants to be great in this offense, they're going to have to spend money elsewhere rather than on him. And I think him being who he is, I think he's smart enough to realize that. So I foresee that that happening and them going out and getting a better team, like a better offensive line, a better wide receiver, a wide receiver, not even a better one, a wide receiver. Yeah, two bold predictions on my part. The first one, not as bold. And I, I that first one is I think the Giants do franchise tag him. Uh, Daniel th- Jones or Saquon? Saquon. And, and I, I don't think he's going to like it, obviously. He's already expressed that he's not going to like that. But I think they do that for a couple of reasons. One, it buys them another year. Was this year just a fluke? Um, can he stay healthy two years in a row? Um, is that fair for Saquon? Probably not. I mean, this is a guy that you spent a lot of draft capital on. He was a first-round pick. Um, but it's the NFL, and it's a business, and they have to be smart with the business decisions that they make. And to give him a three-year contract, even if it's less than Christian McCaffrey money, like he says, um, that's a that's a huge investment. That's a risk. Um so to me, I think they will franchise tag him, and I think they'll they'll save some of that money that they would have spent in a big contract. My bigger bold prediction here is that Daniel Jones will not be the quarterback of the New York Giants next year. Ooh, like, yeah, like I I I really I think they will move on, and I could see Daniel Jones going and playing for a Carolina Panthers type team or something like that. Um, I think he's going to want too much and I think the giants are going to be willing to pay it. And there's so much rumor, you know, kind of swirling around the league of quarterbacks changing places and Lamar Jackson might be on the move and Aaron Rodgers might be on the move and Derek Carr might be on the move and uh, Tom Brady might be leaving. Like I just feel like in a big market like New York, one of these quarterbacks might land there. Um, that's just my inkling. I have no information to back that up other than a feeling. I just, I think if the New York Giants want to take a next step, they got to save some money by franchise tagging Saquon, and they got to move on from Daniel Jones. Um, and I think I think Daniel Jones will get a starting job somewhere, and I think he'll get a contract, but uh, I I don't know if it's going to be in New York. That's that's just my feeling. Any final thoughts on this Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants game? Not for me, no. All right. Well, let's move on to the Sunday games then. And uh, probably, in my opinion, the best game of the weekend. And that was the Bengals and Bills, not in terms of excitement, but just this Bengals team, I think, has now proven, if it's taken this long, has now proven that they're legit. They're not a fluke. Like 
going to the Super Bowl last year, like so many people thought, oh, they just got hot at the right time. They're, you know, fluky, whatever. They're they're not. They're going to a second AFC Championship game in two years. Um, and as we'll talk about when we talk about the the games for next weekend, they're the favorite. I mean, they're the betting favorite for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I think they're going to win. Like I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl again. Uh, Joe Burrow looks incredible. Um, this team has won ten games in a row now, um, including their two their their playoff wins. So, tell me a little bit about Joe Burrow. Um, and where you have him going into next season. Um, you've already talked a little bit about the fact that they have three wide receivers that could potentially be top 20, top 30 wide receivers. Um, so not too much to talk about there. The only other thing, you know, Joe Mixon has had kind of a roller coaster career, but uh, a season and the last few seasons in particular had a pretty good game in this one. Right, 20 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. What are your thoughts on Joe Mixon heading into next season? And then the Buffalo Bills, like devastating, heartbreaking. I mean, this is a team that, you know, I kind of sympathize with as a Cleveland Browns fan because it's a team that has not had a tremendous amount of success. It's a football team that clearly means more than anything to this Buffalo community. Um, and, and to just have another disappointing end to their season uh it's, it's gotta be frustrating for bills fans um so what do you think they do heading into next season like they can't just continue to roll out the same team every year and hope for a different result um what do you think they end up doing offensively perhaps to put themselves over the hump to get past their their Bengals and chiefs rivals I, I think that's tough because, you know, Josh Allen throwing 42 times, I don't think he had the best performance, um, you know, of his career. He's still obviously. I, to an extent, I don't think he's fully healthy, but he, yeah. he did get hurt. And there was something with his shoulder, I believe, his throwing Elbow. shoulder, his elbows. Yeah. So they said, obviously, you know, they said he's going to have to take some time to uh, rest and recover on that. So I am really – you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, what, what else can they do? Like they have a good offense. They have a good offensive line. They just, I feel as though they didn't perform. And trust me, I love the Bengals. Like I really like Cincinnati. I really want them to win because they're part of the, you know, the, the North division with us here in, uh, in Cleveland. So I am really, you know, kind of rooting for them, but you know, I think that what you need to do is I think your first step is to go and get a run game. I think you need to get somebody that can run the ball as we've talked about in previous podcasts, someone like Josh Jacobs, who's going to be a free agent. Like you you have to get somebody that can establish the run Thank to you. help set these things up for you. Cause if not into these kind of issues where your leading rusher in attempts and yards is Josh Allen and your quarterback. And that's not exactly what you want. You want him to, you want Josh Allen to be back there in the pocket, making these big throws, making these big plays and running kind of like Daniel Jones did against, against the Vikings. Like you want him running when he needs to, not because he has to. And I think that that's what a huge, I think that's a huge difference in, you know, having a rush game versus not having a run game. Like Joe Mixon did really well, 20 carries, 105 yards and a touchdown. He got the, you know, he got the goal line carry, he got the goal line touchdown, which is good for him. But I think that that's where really you need to look. You have Stefan Diggs who seemed upset, but you know, 
they'll work it out. You've got Stefan, you've got Gabe, you've got Dawson Knox. You've got a really good receiving core that you can win games with. Uh, again, I just think Josh Allen did not have a great game here. And that was the ultimate decision maker of, of, you know, what changed it. Um, what, what, and then Joe Burrow on the other side, I think Joe Burrow is extremely legit. Um, I love the way he plays. I think that he's fantastic. He's super fun to watch. And as I mentioned, he's got three top 20 wide receivers and a really good tight end that they got from Atlanta. Like, I think that this team is stacked. They have a defense that's good enough to get them where they need to go. So I think that, you know, I really like them going forward and especially against the chiefs with um, Mahomes not being a hundred percent. Cause you know, he's not healthy. I think they have a really good shot to make it to the Super Bowl again and to, you know, prove to everybody, as you mentioned, that fact that this isn't a fluke. Yeah, a couple things. Number one, you know, I'm looking at my rankings again for next season. And Stefan Diggs, I don't know. Obviously, you're absolutely right. Josh Allen has not played well down the stretch. And that's really hurt Stefan Diggs as well. Like there, there seems to be this disconnect between those two guys. Uh, in fact, there was like a yelling match on the sideline during the game between these two guys. Um, Stefan Diggs, I don't know. He, he scares me heading into next season. Uh, I currently have him at six, which, you know, is a little bit lower, I would say, than probably most people would have him. He's probably a top four wide receiver to most. Uh, it just makes me a little bit nervous. And honestly, I, I, I may take a flyer on the likes of people I have around him, like AJ Brown or Amon Ross St. Brown, it, instead of Stefan Diggs. Like uh, he's, I believe, 30 years old. Let me check that out. Stefan Diggs age. He is 29. He'll be heading into his 30-year-old season next season. So uh, wide receivers typically are able to stay elite into their young 30s. So not concerning there, but I think this Bills team is is running out of time um, if they want to compete unless they go out, like you said, and improve the run game um, and maybe find one more weapon. Like, I, I don't know if Gabe Davis is enough. Like, yes, he has big play potential, and that's really all he is. Like, he, he's just like a deep threat, um, and, and he uh, he didn't play very well down the stretch. Um, so uh, imagine a DeAndre Hopkins goes there, or, uh, you know, like you said, a Josh Jacobs, or even like a Miles Sanders. Like Miles Sanders goes there. I think that's an improvement mm-hmm. over the likes of Devin Singletary or even, you know, um, James Cook. So I don't know. I, I'm worried about this Bills team. I think they they might start to regress a little bit unless they go out and, and make a splash in free agency and, and try something new. Um, and then the other, I guess the only other question was the Joe Mixon question. Like, do you like Joe Mixon? Do you think he's a legitimate RB one? Um, because, you know, you look at some of his production this year. I, w- I want to click on his his bio here. And it, it's just really up and down in, in terms of what his production has been in fantasy. He, he had eight, 814 yards rushing this year and seven touchdowns. And if you remember, um, 
I believe he five of those touchdowns came in one game, or was that four touchdowns in one game? I think it was four. I, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, I believe it was four. So over half of his touchdowns came in one game. So to me, that that scares me a little bit, especially since Cincinnati improved um, their offensive line this year. Uh, it was definitely much improved from last year's Super Bowl run. Uh, I, I almost I want to say he's kind of overhyped. Like I, I don't know if I feel comfortable investing what it would take to get a Joe Mixon, probably a late first round, you know, early second round pick for the type of production that he's putting up. Do you agree, disagree? So he finished as the 14th ranked running back. But as you mentioned, a lot of that productivity, you know, if he got four touchdowns in that one game, that's 24 fantasy points. That's a lot of fantasy points for one game. I don't disagree with you, but I'm also just, I'm not, I like Joe Mixon as a player. I think he is a good back and I think he fits really well with Cincinnati with his play style. And again, with it just being a good offense, like this is a running back that will see the carries because of the offense and he will get the receptions and the yardage just because of how good the offense is. But he really didn't have a great game. I think he missed two or great season. I'm sorry. I think he missed two games with the concussion, maybe just one. I think he was out two. Um, Samashi P. Ryan took the lead. So that also kind of hinders him a little bit. But, you know, it's not like he was averaging 120 yards a carry to get him over or 120 yards a game to get him over the thousand yard mark. So I, I think that that's tough. But, you know, I think it's more of a bias thing. Like, for example, my brother really likes Joe Mixon. He tries to get him every draft. I'm just not a huge fan of him. So he's just somebody that I won't avoid, but I'm not going to take him as early as other people might. Like, if he fell to me. Uh, I don't even know where he was drafted last year, but like third, like, like end third round, early fourth round. If like, he's the best available running back. Like I think that I would take him there, but other than that, I'm not using a obvious first round pick. I'm not using a second round pick on him. And again, I'm even kind of tedious in the, in the third round pick kind of market in a redraft league. Um, But again, it it goes down, it comes down to the offense. The offense is so good that if you want to take a dart at, him as a running back and you know he's he's pretty much the lead back here Samaji P Ryan comes in every now and then and you know gets a few yards vultures a touchdown or so but for the most part this is his backfield and if you want a really good you know a good running back on a solid offense I think this is somebody you might look to yeah so I'm looking back at his game log for this past year and he did miss three games he missed Tennessee and Kansas City in weeks 12 and 13 and then he missed the Buffalo game in week 17, obviously, because mm-hmm. of the situation that occurred. So um, not counting those three games, that brings him down to 14 games. Seven of those games, he had under 13 PPR fantasy points. You know, 13 fantasy points from a guy that you're taking in the first, second round. like that That's disappointing. And, and while he averaged 17 fantasy points a game, which ideally like you'd be okay with, a lot of that is distorted because of his 55-point game against Carolina in Week 9. Uh, and he did have five touchdowns. He had four rushing touchdowns and a – One receiving? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was three. I thought it was three running, one receiving, so I was yeah. off by one. No, you're good. So literally the rest of the season, he had a rushing touchdown against Miami, a rushing touchdown against Atlanta, and a rushing touchdown in Week 18 against Baltimore. And that was it. Like that scares me uh, if I'm going to invest as much as it's going to take um, 
to get a Joe Mixon. And, and you're about volume. Uh, week three, he had 12 carries. Week five, he had 14. Week six, he had eight. Week eight against the Browns, he had eight. Uh, week 11 against Pittsburgh, he had seven. Like, that scares the hell out of me if I'm going to invest, you know, that kind of draft capital into Joe Mixon. So for me, like I'm steering clear of him. I think this is obviously a pass first offense. If he falls, like you said, like, sure, I'll take him. But um, to, to get him where you would have to take him, I just don't think he's worth that value. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all either. I, I wouldn't take him in the first two. Like I said, if he fell to me in the back end of the three, the third round, like if I had, you know, one of the deeper picks in the third round, I would consider taking him there depending on what my roster looks like. Cause I mean, if he's your, if he's your running back too, like I'm okay with him as a running back too. I think he's a very solid running back too, but I would want somebody else to be in front of me. Like I would want somebody else to have, you know, like I would want a Christian McCaffrey or someone of that caliber to really take the reins. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at my rankings where I have him right now. I have him at seven. And just behind him, I have Brees Hall. And if he comes in and he's feeling good from his injury that he sustained this year, I think easily I would move Brees Hall ahead of him. I then have Ken Walker at nine. Like, the upside, the potential, the carries. Like, I I almost feel like I would rather have Ken Walker over Joe Mixon. So, um and then I have Josh Jacobs at 10 and it's really dependent on, is he going to stay in Las Vegas or is he going to go elsewhere? He could easily move ahead of Joe Mixon. So he's, he's quickly moving down the board for me, all depending on, you know, what happens with Brees Hall's injury, Ken Walker, is he going to be the guy in Seattle moving forward? And then where Josh Jacobs lands, he could easily be outside my top 10. Um, heading into our last game, it was a real barn burner, Dana. I'll have you talk a little bit about um, some of the excitement in this game. But um, 49ers come away with a 19-12 win. Only one touchdown in this game it was a Christian McCaffrey draw play right down the middle. Um, Dalton Schultz caught one. Dalton Schultz had a touchdown? Yeah, he, he, caught the, he was the one that scored the first touchdown. Oh, that's right, and they missed the field goal. got blocked. Yes, I saw the six points on the on the thing, and I just figured it was two field goals. Oh, man, Brett Maher, that guy, poor guy. He ended up putting a couple field goals away, so he ended up feeling a little bit better. But, yeah, good call on that. I forgot that the, the extra point was blocked. and Would have missed. It was a terrible kick, but that's beside the <laughs> point. Regardless, 49ers only scored one touchdown, and that was Christian McCaffrey. What a trade for them, um, in all honesty. That was a steal. Um, to to get a caliber player like Christian McCaffrey as long as he can stay healthy. So Brock Purdy, man, we talked a little bit about him last week. You know, it's not flashy by any means. He, he kind of reminds me of Jimmy Garoppolo. Like he gets the job done. It, it's not pretty, but I, like he's taking you to the NFC championship game. Like, I don't know how you can't start the season next year as with Brock Purdy as your starting quarterback. Like, yes, you put a ton of capital into Trey Lance, but even when Trey Lance is healthy, like wasn't great. I don't know if the 49ers would be 13 and four. If Trey Lance was their quarterback the entire season, like 
I don't I, I don't know if they would have stayed with him. Like I think they would have gone to Jimmy Garoppolo eventually. Um, you know, and then of course he got hurt as well. So it, it's hard to say, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I I really like Brock Purdy. I think he he might be a product of Kyle Shanahan and his incredible coaching. But um I mean he's a four year starter in college at Iowa State. Um you know, put up some big performances there and he, he might be legit. He might have, he might be like the next Tom Brady in the sense that he, he kind of slipped through everyone's radar and in, in drafts um, and, and when as the very last pick in the NFL draft. So, you know, I want your thoughts on that about what do you think the 49ers should do about their quarterback situation heading into next season? Elijah Mitchell continues to, gain more yards than Christian McCaffrey on the ground. Christian McCaffrey is a little bit more effective with his touches. Obviously he uh, catches a lot out of the backfield as well. Um, So talk a little bit about that dynamic and and what that could do to Christian McCaffrey's value. And then George Kittle had himself a day, like the way he played in this game. Like to me, he's the second best tight end in the league. You know, his, his, his issue has always been health um can he stay on the field but um you know talk about his production moving forward and his connection with Brock Purdy uh and then you know moving over to Dallas CD Lamb I have him as a a top 4 wide receiver heading into next season like this is a guy that I think is only going to continue to get better he has a real rapport with Dak Prescott as soon as Prescott came back from his injury he you know, picked up his volume. He picked up his target share. He picked up his receptions. Um, and he's just so efficient to have 10 receptions, 117 yards on 13 targets. Like that is wide receiver one production that you're willing to spend a first round, if not, you know, early second round pick. on. Um, it, it's the running back situation that unfortunately Tony Pollard, he broke his leg. They initially thought it was a high ankle sprain. He actually broke his leg. Um, and he's heading into free agency. So the initial thought was he was going to stay in Dallas. They could franchise tag him. Um, but you know, it's hard to tell what he's going to look like coming back from that injury. Um, a lot of people thought maybe he might get big money to go be a lead back somewhere else. Um, since Zeke has already gotten the big money in Dallas's backfield. So tell me what you think. Um, will happen with Tony Pollard now that he's been injured. Like, I don't know. It, it, it might make teams a little bit nervous. Can he, you know, handle a RB1 workload um, because he's always kind of split with Zeke. Um, so, and then Dalton Schultz, I mean, like you said, caught the touchdown, seems to play a lot better when Dak Prescott's around. This Dallas team, I mean, they, they, they seem close. Like they always get to this point and they always end up disappointing. What are they missing? What do they need to kind of put themselves to uh, the next level? Um, you know, I'll start by answering that. In my own opinion is I think they need Dak Prescott to play better. Sure. Uh, you know, it, those two turnovers against San Francisco was absolutely huge. Like, look at the score of the game. It was 19 to 12. And these are two top, 
I think San Francisco was number one in defense. I think yep. Dallas might have been two or three. Like these are two top five defenses in the league. So you kind of had you kind of had a feeling going into this that this is kind of how this game would go is that it was going to be really gritty and really fighty. And I think that the two turnovers that Dak had were just that, just that much more important and that much more costly to them. Um, In regards to Tony Pollard, I think that with, with his injury, I think helps Dallas out a lot because I don't think a lot of people are going to take, are going to want to take the chance on, on him coming off that such a significant injury of breaking his leg. So honestly, I think that he stays in Dallas and I think Zeke takes a huge pay cut to also stay in Dallas. I feel as though Zeke, and, you know, he's 28 and in running back age, that's pretty, that's pretty old for a running back and he's just not efficient to carries for 26 yards, 2.6 yards per carry. You know, as we talk about, he was been a touchdown dependent running back to flex. And that's the thing is that it's, it's sad to see because he was such a star running back in the first few years, but he just, he couldn't hold up. And I, I think that he's really fallen off a lot. And I still think that two of them will both be back there for the running backs. Um, I don't want a piece of Zeke next season unless he is to, unless he were to resurge himself. So I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be drafted as high as he was this past few years. I think he was going in like the fourth. I took him in one league in like the fifth round. And I believe in our league, he was taken in the fourth or fifth round as well, or traded for it in in that, that round. So I think he drops pretty heavily. And I think Tony Pollard really bumps up, even with the injury. I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, wary of taking him, but this might be someone who ends up like Travis Etienne for the first few weeks. He's got to find his footing or might take him a whole year, unfortunately to say, but I think Tony Pollard is, is the clear cut back going forward that you want over Zeke. Um, I think if you're drafting Zeke, you just pick him because you, you, you like him as a, as an actual person and a player. Yeah. I would agree I, with you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, just to chime in on that, like I, I think Zeke is like a worse version of Jamal Williams. Like, yeah, I, Jamal I, would, I would agree. Like, like a touchdown dependent running back. And he had like maybe one or two good performances this year where he actually showed that he, he can run and have some good yardage, but like it shows you the, the ceiling of what a touchdown dependent running back can look like Jamal Williams. You know, I think he'll kind of get overdrafted next year as well. And I think as long as Deandre Swift stays healthy, he's going to get more of a role in that offense. Whereas Zeke, like he's kind of showing you the basement of what a touchdown dependent running back can provide to you. Um, you know, you're lucky if he falls in the end zone and he gets you 12 fantasy points. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And, you know, just going forward, CD Lamb, I agree with you. I think CD Lamb is an absolute stud, I think he's an absolute star. And even if, you know, let's just say something were to happen and Dak isn't the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys next year and, you know, they go with someone like Cooper Rush, um, he's shown that he can be productive even with someone like Cooper Rush under center, not as productive as Dak because I believe Dak is a better thrower. But I, I honestly think that Dallas is getting a little bit fed up with these kind of performances of getting this far, doing this well in the regular season, and then getting this far and then just falling apart. Even though, again, San Francisco is a really good team, but there comes a point where, you know, those two turnovers in the, you know, in the 
divisional playoffs is really, really costly and it really costs, costs you a game, especially when you're just not moving the ball and kicking field goals. And they had an opportunity to kick one and they just, they decided to go for it on fourth and four, fourth and five, because Brett Maher's missed, you know, four extra points the last game and then started off with a missed extra point here. You, I, I can't blame him for wanting to go a different route, but again, something like that, you know, if, if he makes that extra point, they get 13 and let's say they kick that field goal at that point and they, and it's 16. Now you're thinking it's 16, 19 and any one of those drives could go a little bit differently because maybe San Francisco has to play a bit more dominant or vice versa. Um, but of course those are all what ifs. Um, that's really all I have to talk about Dallas wise. Like I like Dalton Schultz. I don't think besides CD lamb and Dalton Schultz and Tony Pollard. And of course I think Dak is like a top 12 quarterback, honestly. Um, for fantasy wise, but other than those three people, I really don't want anything to do with with Dallas. I mean, like I don't want Zeke anymore. Like Noah Brown, Tony Pollard, or Noah Brown, T.Y. Hilton, no Michael Gallup's all three targets, not a single catch. Like they're just not getting involved, um, and I think that that hurts everybody. But that's not named C.D. Lamb a lot. Um, in regards to San Francisco, um, I, Elijah Mitchell's been hurt, so this is kind of one of the one of the fewer games that we've seen with Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey. But I really think that they did well with what they needed to do. Like they gave Christian McCaffrey a break. You obviously just paid a premium to bring him here and you want him for the next round. And if you make it to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl. Um, I think any quarterback that comes in this offense for San Francisco can do well. And I think Brock Purdy found a good little niche for him to do well, to set up these kind of play action plays and these rushes and, you know, these short throws and these deep balls, just, you know, the longer throws to Kittle. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Brock Purdy being the starter next year, how could you not? Like, I, unless he wins the Super Bowl, I still think that, <coughs> excuse me, unless he wins the Super Bowl, I still think you have to go with Trey Lance. Like, you paid a lot for him. Like, you paid an absolute premium to go up and get him. And I think that you either need to make a decision where this that's the guy you're going to go with after coming off this injury and you're just going to, sit back or if you don't win the Super Bowl like maybe you do go with Brock Purdy because you know your team is that decent and you want to continue to win games and try to progress further so I think San Francisco has a tough option you know I know we talked last week about potentially trading Trey Lance and just kind of getting whatever you can for him but with him not playing at all this the rest of the season after getting hurt like I don't think there's much you can get for him like I don't think anybody's gonna want to I don't I don't think you're even gonna recoup a first round pick for him honestly like that and so that's where I think that the conversation goes is that <clears throat> it depends on what they'd be willing to offer you, and whether you'd be willing to accept it to get rid of him or, or not. Um, but you know, for rushing wise, I think that as I mentioned with Elijah Mitchell getting 14 carries, I think a lot of it was game script, and so McCaffrey didn't have to run as much because he wasn't as as necessary, but. I, that's really good for Christian McCaffrey to be able to take a break for a lot of the game and, you know, catch six passes and, you know, run just a few times to keep his health going forward. So I, I like that a lot. Um, and I think that they should continue to stick with that, especially since, you know, they don't care about fantasy points. They want to win games. Like they don't care if Christian McCaffrey gets 10 rushes for 120 yards and six touchdowns. Like they just want to win. Um, so they're going to do everything that they can. I think Elijah Mitchell and that combo gives them a, a decent shot at that. Receiving-wise, I, I agree with you. I love George Kittle. Um, it's still kind of hard for me to put Kittle above Mark Andrews just because I, I, I have full faith that if Lamar Jackson returns to that team that 
Mark Andrews becomes a dominant presence in that offense again. But again, it, it's, it's something that I, I absolutely need to see, but I would put Kittle in the top three for sure. Um, if he, if, if Lamar doesn't come back to the Ravens for whatever reason, and Lamar goes somewhere else, then I definitely would put, you know, Mark Andrews below George Kittle. And I, I do like Debo a lot. I like that they utilize him out of the backfield too. Um, but really other than that, like, not a huge fan of Brandon Ayuk. I think he's very streaky. He has good games. And then like, even with Debo out, he didn't put up a, the kind of performance that you wanted from that kind of receiver. So um, for this championship run that they're going for, I, I, I think they have a good shot strictly because of their defense. Yeah, which I guess segues us into uh, the conference championships if you're ready to move on. Yeah, I, yeah, that was all I need to talk about. So if, unless there's something else you wanted to add. Um, no, you know. no um, you know, in terms of Dak Prescott, you said a top 12 quarterback. I, I have him at 11. Like, I think he's right at that that fringe of being a quarterback, too. But, um, yeah, they, they may move on and look elsewhere, and they could be in the quarterback market. I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of shifting uh, of quarterbacks this offseason. So, you know, just looking at my top 24 and who I have italicized, or top 32 for that matter, you know, Colts need a quarterback. Saints need a quarterback. Texans need a quarterback. Titans probably need a quarterback. Uh, the Jets need a quarterback. The Commanders, the Panthers, um, the 49ers, you know, have some questions. Uh, is Stafford coming back with the Rams? The Packers, there's rumors of Rodgers getting traded. Like, the list goes on. I mean, the Seahawks, the Raiders, the Buccaneers. So the, half the teams in the NFL very well might have a different quarterback starting for their team next year. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Heading into next week, I'm going to hand it over to Dana to walk us through the um, conference championship games. We're down to the last four. So go ahead and talk to us, Dana, and then uh, go ahead and set up some parlay discussions for us for each of these games. Yeah, absolutely. So um, three o'clock game is going to be this Sunday, the 29th, and that's going to be the Eagles versus the 49ers, in which they have the Eagles at a two and a half on the money line, meaning they're projecting that the Eagles are going to win by at least well two and a half points. But basically, obviously, by three, they're projecting them to win by a field goal, essentially. Um, The over under is 46. And with the way that these defenses have played, I I really like the under on this one. I think that, as we talked about, Jalen Hurts isn't fully healthy, but he played really well last week. Uh, Hopefully this extra week gives him some time to recover as best as he possibly can. He's the one that had the the shoulder injury. I believe it was his non-throwing shoulder. Maybe it was his throwing one. But he, I believe he had a shoulder injury. And that's what put him back for the last few games for them to, you know, obviously win and clinch clinch the division to start. So I, I really like this team, though. As we, we talked about A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders. I think they're going to utilize Miles Sanders a lot more, especially if something does happen to Jalen where maybe he gets banged up or he's not feeling 100%. Because Jalen, not only can he run the ball, but he is really good at standing in the pocket and, and heaving it to A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, and uh, Devontae Smith. So I think this is going to be a really good game. I really like – I really like Philly in this one, to be honest with you. Um, just because I like the offense of Philly more than I like the offense of the 49ers, I think the Eagles have a good enough offense with Darius Slay and the boys out there that can keep Brock Purdy to a minimum, just like Dallas did. They held him to, um, you know, 
200, just over 200 yards and no touchdowns. And I think if the Eagles can do that, they can win the game. If the Eagles can keep them from scoring under 20 points, I think the Eagles win. Um, but we'll have to see how Brock Purdy comes out with the 49ers. Um, <clears throat> before we get into the parlay column, uh, my parlay of what I believe, um, what do you think about this game? Maybe highlight anybody from the 49ers that you might really like over, you know, who you don't like or anything like that. Yeah, so surprisingly, this doesn't happen very often, Dana, but I'm going to disagree, and I'm picking the 49ers in this game. Like, I, I just think they are the best coach team in football. I think Kyle Shanahan uh, might be the best coach and, and just finds a way of putting his team in very successful positions. And to have D'Amico Ryans as your defensive coordinator, he's getting a lot of head coaching looks um, heading into next season you know I, I just think they're the best coached team in football and and ultimately I don't think Jalen Hurts is 100% and I think that's going to come back to to kind of hurt Philadelphia um, so I, I'm taking the 49ers I think it will be I agree with you a low scoring game kind of back and forth come down to the end type thing Um but I think it's going to come down to running and and I don't think Jalen hurts is healthy enough to scramble and run the way that he can. And as we've already discussed kind of at length, like I think the best running back duo is clearly Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell compared to a Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. So I, I think it's going to be a run heavy game, uh, especially in Philadelphia in January, 37 degrees is the projected uh, temperature. So not the coldest day, but um, I think it's going to be like a, a 17-14 kind of game. Like the, the 49ers barely pull it out, perhaps even a, a last-second field goal to win the game. So for me, 49ers-wise, like, I'm paying up for Christian McCaffrey, whatever it takes. Like, I think he, he might score in this game. I think he might get over a hundred yards rushing uh, slash receiving in this game, total yards. Um, I, I think Brock Purdy is going to rely heavily on him as well as George Kittle. Like he seems to have a real nice connection with George Kittle. And when he needs a reception, when he needs to get a first down, um, he finds his tight end. Um, so those are two guys that I'd be looking to to get in the mix and parlays with, you know, anytime touchdown scoring or certain receiving yards. We'll do that here in just a second. But if you're setting a, a daily fantasy lineup, like those are two guys that I think are locks. I think I'd pay up for them. Um, I think they're worth it. And, and I'm going the 49ers in this game to go to the Super Bowl. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah, I think this would be a fun game to watch. Um, and I can't disagree with you because, uh, you know, I agree with the rushing game and that's what, that's what will help segue into my parlay that I built, um, on DraftKings, I built a four leg parlay, which I include Devonte Smith getting a touchdown anytime touchdown. So at any point in any part of the game, I believe he's going to score. I've got Brock Purdy under 244 yards. I think that what's going to happen is I, th I think Colin's right. I think this is going to be very gritty, kind of like the last game. I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. Um, so, you know, I, I think I personally would take the under on this one. Um, I also have Jalen Hurts under 299 yards. Um, the reason I did that is, again, he's not fully healthy, and he is playing against a very stout San Francisco defense. So 
I think it's going to be very hard for him to move the ball. I, I personally do. So I think this is going to be a very big defensive battle, but that's why I believe the Eagles are going to win just because I think that the Eagles have a better offense. So I think that they're going to hold up. Um, <clears throat> the last part of my parlay, I have uh, Brandon Ayuk getting under 59 and a half yards. Um, and, and again, he did that last game. The, the offense just hasn't been throwing the ball that much. And when they do, they're getting it a lot to, George Kittle. So if you wanted to throw in him as a, you know, in your DFS lineup, or if you want to throw him into a parlay of maybe scoring an anytime touchdown or maybe him getting over, you know, X amount of yards, I really like that as well. Um, but this parlay I built, again, I mentioned is a four leg parlay. It's plus 700. So if all of these things were to happen, you were to bet $10, you were to win $70. If you bet $100, you were to win $700. Um, and I think that's fairly reasonable. I think that this is all quite possible. As you mentioned, the weather's, it's going to be 37 degrees. It's going to be a little bit chilly. I think that the defenses here are really good. I think it's going to be really hard for you know, them to just willy-nilly score on each other like the Eagles did on the Giants. I don't think that that is going to happen. Colin, do you have a, a an idea for a parlay? Uh, yeah, you can give to people. So while you were just talking, I, I built a little eight selection parlay here. Oh, so, an eight leg. Okay. Yes, yes. So um, I like going big, man. And, you know, I, I haven't hit on too many of these, if any. But, um, you know, I think a lot of these are reasonable selections based on some of the things that we've already talked about. So I'm taking San Francisco to win this game. Um, so that already is, is putting me in the plus, um, as they are the underdog. I'm taking the under at 46 and a half points. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a real low scoring 17, 14 kind of game. Um, Christian McCaffrey, I think gets a touchdown. Um, he did this in the Dallas game last week. I think when in doubt and they need a score, they're going to get the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hands somehow, some way, whether that's a receiving or a rushing touchdown. And I'm picking George Kittle to score a touchdown as well. Um, again, I, I think his connection with Brock Purdy is real, and he looks like he's just having so much fun playing the game. You know, the commentator talking about that. Like, guy is just hysterical. Like, he loves football. He loves being out there. Um, and I think he does find his way into the end zone. And then on the Eagles side of things, just to kind of, you know, run it back and, you know, add a little bit of, um, you know, potential earnings to this eight game parlay or eight leg parlay. Uh, I'm picking Kenneth Gainwell to score a touchdown. And again, I, I feel like the Eagles, they get down into the red zone and they take Miles Sanders out for whatever reason. And they put Kenneth Gainwell in. So I feel like he's going to get like a one yard touchdown run. Um, you know, so it's a big, bold risk. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm liking a Kenneth Gainwell touchdown. He had one last week. He had a big game last week. So I don't think all of a sudden they're going to stop giving him the ball. I think he'll still get enough touches that, you know, especially in the red zone that he could get into the end zone for you. I took the under on both Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts uh, passing yards. Uh, Brock Purdy had 216 and a half. I took the under on that. I think he'll be around 175. And Jalen Hurts was 247 and a half. And I think he'll be right around that two, 210, somewhere in that range. So I'm taking, I'm taking the under on both those guys. And, and then Kenneth Gainwell, this was an easy one for me um, to have over 10 and a half rushing yards. Like, I, I think that's a no brainer. 
I added that one in, uh, especially because I think he's going to get into the end zone and, and probably at least get 10 touches in this game. So um, that is a plus 44,000 um, <laughs> of parlay. So uh, I'm putting $2 on that. And if it comes back, I went $891. So that's insane. Wish me luck. Uh, hey, I'm best put- of luck. Yeah, thanks. I'm putting it in right now. Like building those things. Obviously, you don't have to put all eight things down. If if you take my advice, you might want to pick one or one or two things out of that parlay <laughs> to take advice on. But you know, if you're gonna gamble a couple free dollars, um, then yeah, I'm I'm putting two dollars on this and hoping I come away with eight hundred ninety one dollars and three cents. Hey. And if anybody else places that bet, you can thank Colin and send it to his his Venmo, PayPal. He takes Apple Cash now. So if you if you win any of it, spread some love. <laughs> be a friend, tell a friend. Uh, the later game is going to be at six thirty, and that's going to be the Bengals and the Chiefs. And since he's a one and a half point favorite, as I mentioned, that means they're projecting Cincy to win by two points essentially um and i think that this game is going to be really good i I really like it a lot um i I like joe burrow as i had mentioned in the in the recap um so i am going to choose the Bengals on this one i think that um pat mahomes isn't entirely healthy and i think him playing against joe burrow i think this would be a really good game but i think that joe burrow is going to take them to a second straight super bowl um I think the defense is just good enough to get them by. And I don't think the Chiefs defense is great at all. So I think that Joe Burrow is going to have his way with them. And I think he's going to get you – I think he's going to get a lot of of value in your parlays. Um, You know, I know he didn't do too well last week, but he didn't really have to just because of, you know, how much of a lead – the commanding lead they took on Buffalo with their first few drives. Um, Chiefs wise, uh, again, I, it's, it's hard for me to want to bet on Patrick Mahomes just because of the the extent of the injury. This could be a Chad Henney show at halftime. We don't know. A- any play can happen. And if someone lands on that same leg again, it could be disastrous. So who knows if he's going to play a little bit more passive or if he's not going to throw the ball as much and he's not going to run as much. Um, but he was running a lot, you know, in the last uh, toward the end of the last game. He did run a few times. So um, we'll just have to see. Um, Colin, before I get to my parlay, um, what do you think about the line? Just give me a quick money line. Uh, is there anybody else big that you think is going to go off in this game that's not named Travis Kelsey on the uh, yeah. the Chiefs? And uh, what do you think about the over, over-under being 47 here? Yeah. Um, Patrick Mahomes' injury scares me. Like, I I don't know if he'll be able to even – suit up for this game i mean it's the afc championship game so they're gonna put him out there one way or another whether they have to amputate his leg or not (laughs) um but like i just don't know how effective he's gonna be he was in so much pain at the end of that game um this past weekend Uh, he's not gonna be able to move in the pocket um they're gonna blitz the crap out of him i feel like um and, and try and get him to move around make him uncomfortable um and we'll see how he responds to that. But I like Cincinnati in this game, and I think it's going to look a lot like the Bills game this week, honestly. Like, I could see a 27-10 to 10 kind of game um, on the road in Kansas City. It just seems like Joe Burrow has, like, Patrick Mahomes' number, Josh Allen's number, 
and he's just like the smoothest, coolest guy <laughs> in the NFL. Like, in my opinion, he is the next Tom Brady. Like, I, I just I'm afraid that he is going to create a dynasty in can or in Cincinnati, and, and that's with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And I'd like to think Deshaun Watson and Cleveland Browns in the AFC mm-hmm. that he's going to have to go through year after year after year. And he's just so confident and cool and collective. And he knows he's good. Like, and, and that's, that's a hard thing to coach. Um, you just have to have that moxie, that, that desire to win. And, and he has it. So, I think the Bengals actually win this game relatively easily, and, and I'm not, I'm not liking really anyone on the Kansas City side of things that's not named Travis Kelsey. Like, I, I think a big issue um, with Kansas City this year is is none of their pass catchers that they threw darts at really hit. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent in the offseason. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, same situation. Um, Kadarius Tony they traded for in the halfway through the season, so he could be their number one next year. Like this could be a potential landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins as well. Like that that would be a really huge acquisition for them. Like that that's that's really what they're missing. Uh, I get why they traded Tyreek Hill. Like what the Dolphins gave up was an absurd. Um, but I think they're missing Tyreek Hill. I really do. They're they're missing a playmaker that's not named Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Bengals, um, and I'm going I'm going over on the line. But um, again, if I say 27-10, like that's under. So I'm taking the under on the 47 points. <clears throat> yeah, I I I I would like to say around 47 points as well. Um, I just I don't think that I don't think you know if Patrick Mahomes was fully healthy I would say that this game was going to be a more of a shootout just Agreed. because these these defenses aren't that like these neither of these defenses are really spectacular like Eagles 49ers both of those defenses are top 5 and you know neither of these two teams are even potentially top 10 I don't even think the Bengals are even that good on defense so um I I think that if Mahomes was fully healthy it would be a little bit different but yeah I would agree with you there um so let's build a quick parlay um one that I built uh, has a plus 950 odds. So if you were to bet $10, you would win um, $95. And um, I like Mahomes under 304 yards. I think I went a little bit safe on the under yardage only because it is Patrick Mahomes. So he could really go ahead and do anything. But I think his health is going to play a big concern. I don't think he's going to throw for over – I don't think he's going to throw for over 250. Um, but I did 300 just to be safe. Um, I've got Joe Burrow over 229. Um, I know he came really close last week, that number was, uh, but I do like him against this defense. I think that even if they do go ahead like they did against the Bills, like 14 nothing, the weather's going to be cold, but it's not projected to snow at this current moment. So I think that that's also a huge um, – I also think that that's a huge part of it too, that I just think that Joe Burrow is going to want to throw the ball. Um, I like Isaiah Pacheco over 44.5 yards. Um, he went with – I think he got 73 this past week against Jacksonville. So I like for him to do that again, because I, all leading back to Patrick Mahomes, I really think that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be fully healthy. And even to just take some of the alleviate, some of the pressure off of, you know, the passing game with a few runs here and there for Pacheco, he could easily bust a few out and, 
you know, easily get those yardage. Um, I like Joe Mixon over 54 and a half. Again, this defense isn't that great. And who knows what happens if the Bengals go up early. They might, Joe Mixon might get 20 carries if the Bengals go up, you know, 14, nothing. They not like they're going to run the clock out, but they might give more, uh, more attempts on the ground here. And then the last one I have um, is Travis Kelsey. Anytime touchdown. He got two last week. He's the most scoring tight end in the league. I think he continues to do it this week. I don't think they win, but I think that he does hit that. And I think that um, that is a decent parlay. Colin, what do you got for us? You know I built myself a big one. Oh, yeah. Anytime Uh, touchdowns, right? You better believe it. Um, So I I got a seven-leg parlay for this one. And the odds actually just went up on it for some reason. So I'm at plus 37,000. Um, Gotta love it. So I'm picking the Bengals uh, on the money line. Easy enough. Jamar Chase I'm picking as an anytime touchdown score. Um, he seems to be, you know, getting back to his old ways. He had a touchdown last week. Um, seems to have a real nice connection with Joe Burrow. So uh, I'm picking Jamar Chase anytime touchdown score. I agree with you on Travis Kelsey. I think the lone touchdown that the Kansas City Chiefs score this week will be um, by Travis Kelsey. And then I'm surprised you didn't bring up your boy, but I'm going Hayden Hurst with a touchdown as well. Oh, man, I, I, like, Hay- I like Hayden Hurst a lot. I, yeah, I do. I know you do. And he had a touchdown this past week and seems to be like a, a safe target for Joe Burrow in the red zone. Um, so I'm liking Hayden Hurst to get a red zone touchdown. I took the under on Patrick Mahomes throwing 270 and a half yards. Now that's, that's risky. He, if he's playing up to his capabilities, I mean, he'll easily get 300 yards. The thing is, I don't think he's going to be playing up to his full ability. I think he's playing hurt. He clearly is playing hurt, but like you said, if he's not playing well or he lands on his ankle the wrong way or he re-aggravates it, he might not be playing uh, this whole game. So I think it was a pretty easy decision for me to take the under on that. Uh, I took the under on Joe Burrow throwing 276 and a half yards. Oh, Big reason there is I think they go up early. And I like you said, I, I like Joe Mixon. Um, to get a lot of carries. I, I just bashed him this whole podcast, but <laughs> I, I think he got a lot of carries. I took him over 58 and a half yards. Um, so I think this ends up being kind of like the Bills game played out. Like I think two early touchdowns, they go up 14 nothing, and they just kind of run and run a lot in this game. So, um, you know, a $2 bet, would win me $752.22. So I'm, uh, I'm going big. I'm going big, Dana. Let's do this. That's right. I like to hear. And again, like you can pick and choose what you like out of that, but just scrolling through the parlays, I like building them as big as I can and having a little bit of fun with it. And maybe one day one of them will hit, you know. And that's what we're all hoping for. Cool. That's a. Uh... Thank you for your input. It was a, a pleasure, uh, you know, talking some parlays with you. I'm going to go ahead and give it back to you to go ahead and wrap us up. Yes, sir. So uh, appreciate anyone that's listening in the off season. Obviously, uh, you love football, as as do Dana and I. We're we're still, you know, taking one day a week, and we'll continue to do so for the foreseeable future. And 
you know, once the Super Bowl's over, we'll uh, start digging into next year's drafts and talking a little bit about our, our keeper league and, you know, w- what we think the situations are for certain teams. So we have some uh, some things on the agenda moving into the off season, And before we know it, August will be here and it'll be time for yeah, the next season. So it, it always goes by fast, but appreciate you listening today. Dana, any final words from you, my friend? No, anybody who bets on these games, go win a lot of money. That's right. That's right. So interesting to see what happens, but uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, man. And I just think the best team right now is, is the Cincinnati Bengals. Like it, it's, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I really do think the Cincinnati Bengals might be lifting that Lombardi trophy in a couple of weeks time. So, didn't you have at the end of the last podcast? Didn't you say wasn't your prediction the uh, 49ers? No, no. So I've I've or switched for them to, coming out of the NFC. If you haven't learned anything about me, Dana, I I, uh, I change my mind all the time. <laughs> so, you know, you know, initially coming into the playoffs, I'm like, oh, I think Tom Brady's going to pick it up. Yeah, that didn't go so well, and then I was like, <laughs> like the Chiefs, and now Mahomes got hurt, so I'm like, eh. Well, last week I said the Chiefs were going to win. So uh, I'm going to Bengals, and uh, I, I think uh, – I unfortunately think that Joe Burrow might fill up that hand with rings um, if he continues to play the way that he's been playing. Oh, I think he's got – I think he's got the potential for sure. All right, man, if that's it. Thank you again for listening. This was the We Love Moms Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time. (laughs) Bye. Thank you.